Rock family. Today you've got Reverend Maurice Golston bringing the word to you. He and his wife Chantel are urban missionaries to the metro Detroit area. He is the co-founder and CEO of the International Hope Center there in Hamtramck. He's a Foursquare minister. He's a great friend. You're going to love hearing from him today. Would you open up your heart and welcome Pastor Maurice Golston. Good morning, Rock Church. See how my brother hyped me up there? Everybody needs a hype man, right? Jesus had John the Baptist and I had Pastor Daniel. Man, we've had fun, Rock Church. I really have enjoyed your hospitality. I've enjoyed some of the conversations that I've had with some of you. Uh, You know, you guys got this Jesus thing going on over here on this side of the state. Praise the Lord. Let me get set up here for a minute. Yeah, we um, uh, we have had, um, uh, this is my third service, so this will be the last time this trip, hopefully I'll be invited back, uh, that I have to be with you. And um, I don't think it's by accident that the people who are in the room now are in the room now. Um, I, I believe in uh, uh, the Holy Spirit's ability to set up divine appointments. So uh, I, I just want to spend some time, just um, quick time in prayer, and just inviting the Holy Spirit into our hearts and our minds. And, 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 and so we're going to do that right now. Father, we thank you. We thank you that your Holy Spirit is here right now, Lord God that he is breathing on us, Lord God, that he's breathing in us. He is revealing truth, Lord God, to the innermost parts of our beings, Lord God, that we did not come here, Lord God, expecting to leave the same way we came, that your word, Lord God, not mine, transforms lives, that your word, Lord God, was in the beginning before anything. And that is the agent, the instrument that you choose, Lord God, to transform every situation. So in this moment, we have an expectation that you are here, that the Holy Spirit is in us and around us, orchestrating, Lord God, this encounter. And so, Father, we just breathe out and we allow the breath and life of your word to transform us into the image of your son, Jesus. Amen. Thank you. I mean, supernatural love. That's what we sung about, right? And today, I think we're going to kind of explore what that is, but we're also going to talk about what that is not. I'm going to say that again. We're going to explore what supernatural love is, what it looks like. When the rubber meets the road, what does supernatural love look like? The words of the song talks about how supernatural love 
comes from a miraculous God, right? It's, 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 it's the basis and the foundation for his character. It's who he is. It's a, one, it's a, it's a noun. It's a verb. It's an adjective. It's, it's all of that in a bag of chips, as some of us used to say. Uh, yeah, that's what you get for inviting a preacher who grew up in the hip-hop era. <laughs> so we're going to uh, lay some ground rules. Um, we're going to start in 2 Timothy 3. And uh, for the sake of time, we're just going to focus on verses 16 and 17, because I really want to get through this message. So 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. And this is a very bold passage of Scripture. Uh, This is uh, a letter that the Apostle Paul is writing to his spiritual son, Timothy. And he's writing this letter to him to charge him uh, to, to think a certain way, to approach his ministry and his life a certain way. And uh, verse 16 says this. It says, all scripture is God-breathed, and it is useful for teaching, rebuking. We don't like that. Correction. Yeah, Maybe and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It's funny, I was talking to my 11-year-old daughter, Skylar, and I, in the conversation, we had a little bit of correction going on. And I was telling her, and I was trying to explain to her that I'm correcting you because I love you. She said, yeah, but it still don't feel good. <laughs> I was like, but, but, but I love you. So it's just like, yeah, but does it feel good when you're corrected? I said, ah, no, it doesn't. But the son that he loves, he corrects. And so one, uh, one of the things that I've come to understand is, is that when God's word comes forth, that it should accomplish certain things in my life. It should teach me what love really looks like, right? It should be that example for me. And if I'm honest with myself, and I think if all of us are honest with ourselves, we had a concept of what love looked like before we met Jesus. And it's kind of wrong. Right? So that's where the rebuke is telling you. A rebuke is telling you where you're wrong. And the correction is telling you how to do it right. And then the instruction in righteousness, the Holy Spirit is guiding and influencing us to live a certain way amongst one another, right? 
So the Apostle Paul is sharing this message with his son, uh, Timothy, and he's sharing this message concerning the Word of God because both of them were very well-versed in Scripture. But Paul, as you know, when he was Saul, was very knowledgeable with Scripture, but he was also very wrong, right? He knew the Word of God, and it his knowledge of the Word of God motivated him to persecute the church. I submit to you that that is not an uncommon thing even today. That's why we need the word of God to be God-breathed. It was Paul's journey on the road to Damascus when he encountered the Lord Jesus, and the whole thing changed. Jesus flipped this script. We pray for an encounter. That was a painful encounter with the Lord Jesus, but much necessary. So we're going to study uh, a, a city church the, church, the church in Corinth today. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians uh, 1. I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we're going to start with verse 1. But before we go there, I want to give you a little cultural background concerning the church in Corinth. Uh, as many of you may already know, Corinth is a, was a, a city that was uh, Greek-influenced. Uh, it had, they had, just like we do, uh, a certain concept of what love was, uh, and it was very distorted concept of love. Uh, historically, uh, the chief religion <clears throat> before the gospel came uh, to that area was uh, they worshiped Diana. And in the worship of Diana, <clears throat> part of the worship process uh, was uh, uh, temple prostitutes. So there's a thousand, uh, 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 my research said there was a thousand temple prostitutes. So this was part of their culture. It was embedded, immoral sexual behavior was embedded in them, in their culture. So it's a, it's, a, it's a dark place for the gospel to go. But how you, many of you know that that's the nature of love? See, it was the nature of God's love that penetrated the dark places of my heart. He found me in my crazy nasty. And he invaded my life transformed my mind, and he's journeyed with me ever since. And that's what this life in Christ is. It's a journey as much as it is a destination. But we need some core things to make it on this journey. And some of those things I want to talk to you about today. So I have four points I'm hoping I can touch on today. One is 
We all have unique gifts and talents and weaknesses. I'll say that again. We all have unique gifts and talents and weaknesses. My weaknesses are unique to me. But I celebrate my weakness. The Bible talks about when we're weak, then we are strong. But why am I strong? I'm strong because of you. Because that's an area where you're strong in. And it's a point of contact between you and I. Because I need you, and you need me, and we need we. Right? So God wants to dispel this whole notion and this concept that we can do this thing on our own. From the beginning, the one thing in creation that was not good was that man be alone. Everything else, and he did this, and it was good. And he did this, and it was good. And he did this, and it was good. And then there's this interruption. And he says, and God And it was not good that man should be alone. And so what God did was he made Eve and thus making mankind. Right? It's a designed part of who we are to need one another. It's not weakness to need one another. It's it's weakness, but it's part of, it's design weakness, I I, I would call it. God deliberately made us this way. That's point number two. For the common good of the body of Christ. So as much as your talents and your giftings are a blessing to the body of Christ, so are your weaknesses. We we learn to appreciate certain things about life when someone can confess and share their weaknesses to us. And it's like, oh, my God. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and I I confessed to him an area and a blind spot that I had. And he said to me, he said, oh, my God, I can't believe what's happening right now. He said, I have that blind spot. He says, and I can't believe that you shared your weakness with me, and now I feel lighter. He's like, what's going on? He said, I got to study this. He said, I got to, right? Third, love is the driving focus for all of how we do life. As we get into the scripture, we'll go into more detail of what that looks like. Then he says, number four, we have to depend. I'm going to say that again. We have to depend on the Holy Spirit to do any of this well. I'm just, I've tried to do this stuff well on my own. Ask my wife. Uh, that didn't go so good. It was me accepting my limitations as a man that allowed me to accept the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit to transform areas of my life that simply 
I had not allowed Jesus to be Lord in. Maybe that's just me. So here we have Paul, and he's communicating to the church in Corinth uh, the concept of and the importance of what love is, but I think just as important what love is not. So it opens up by saying in verse 1, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only resounding gong and clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have the faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. I don't believe that Paul is trying to say that prophecy and, and these gifts are not important, but he's saying that love has to be the catalyst, the motivating force behind this activity of prophecy. The Bible talks about how the prophecy is subject to the prophet. Hear me when I say that. The prophecy is subject to the prophet. So if the prophet doesn't have the heart of God and the knowledge of how to love well, can he really prophesy the heart of God? In verse 4, he says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. I'm out. <laughs> right? <laughs> this is hard stuff. <laughs> Not even a note of it. You saw what they did to me, Lord. Okay, let's go on. (laughs) Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes. It always perseveres. This is some good stuff. You mean there's things in my life that if I apply love to, I'll persevere? That part we like, but not keeping record of wrong. 
right? We can't have one without the other. I submit to you that there's some areas of in our lives that we're not persevering in because we haven't forgiven people. We still got a record of wrong tucked away somewhere just in case we need it. You know, we just wait for them to do it one more again. <laughs> just do it one more time. Just one more time. I'm going to pull it out. Bam, you did this, you did this, you did this. And then we wonder how come we're not persevering in this area that, Lord, please, Lord, just, just help me to overcome this. We're talking about what love is and what is not. Verse 8, love never fails. (laughs) We can pause right there, right? But where there is prophecy, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be still. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. Geneve said earlier that there is a way that we walked before we met Christ. And our vision of how we looked at life and did life, it was, it was, it was skewed. <clears throat> but I think even now, as we become believers, that there's areas of our lives that we're still processing through the lens of our pain and disappointment. And God has come to give us a new story. He's come to heal the brokenhearted. Think about the Beatitudes. Blessed are the brokenhearted. Why? Because Jesus has come. He's the answer for the broken heart. When you think about the Beatitude, he's talking about how blessed are these unfortunate people. We all have unfortunate experiences in our lives. And Jesus wants so desperately to change that narrative. Will we let him? When we allow the Holy Spirit to invade our minds and invade our hearts and bring beauty from ashes, bring strength from fear, that's what he does. He's been doing it since the beginning of time. He's good at it. His record is flawless. I'm not saying it's easy. Matter of fact, I'm saying in and of ourselves it's impossible. That's why he sent the Holy Spirit to indwell in us. 
We serve a good God. I'm rolling with him. But when the completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I even reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away childish. I put childhood behind me. I believe that God is calling us, church, to put childhood behind us. That I think he's calling us to a a greater level and a greater depth in him. One of the things I appreciate about what I've heard about OSL is that the journey in OSL starts with love. It's a foundational principle. And as you go through that that training, as you go through that process, you begin to really unveil how much God has always loved humanity. He's always had this love affair with humanity. And as fickle as as a wife as we are, it's not changed. And it will never change. So now he's calling us to mature in our love for him and for one another. Don't you find it interesting that the two are are intimately linked? You can't separate them. You can't say that you love a God that you don't see and not your neighbor who you see. The two commands are indistinguishable. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy mind, all thy soul, and the other one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. No matter what your neighbor looks like, no matter how poor your neighbor is, no matter what his belief system is, Right? I didn't make this up. This has been preached for over 2,000 years. It's not easy, but it's necessary. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. When we shall see face to face, now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, love, but the greatest of these is love. Father God, I thank you and I praise you. I praise you, Lord God, that in our time together here today, as we've had a conversation, an honest conversation about who you are and who we are, I thank you, Lord God, that you would have us 
really explore the, the, the under the iceberg core things that are keeping us from really loving and experiencing perseverance and experiencing the fact that your love never fails, Lord. It's a journey that starts with us, but it doesn't stop there. There's a lost and dying world, Lord God, in the city of Kalamazoo. They are in our workplaces. They are in our schools. They're in our communities. We don't have to have programs to go find them. They're in our families. Father, I thank you and praise you, Lord God, that you teach us and you help us to to give those people an an opportunity, an, an invitation, if you will, into the love and the light of your love. Father, I thank you for this ministry. I thank you for the Rock Church. I thank you for... Pastor Daniel and Julia and, and all the team, the, the musicians, Angie and James and <clears throat> Misty, Lord God, and all the people, Lord God, who you've called to be in this city from all over the country, from different parts of the state, from different parts of the world. We believe in divine appointments. We believe that the Holy Spirit, God determines the places that even when we dwell, our neighbors have moved next door to us to experience you. They thought they liked the house and the bathroom and the kitchen, but that's not why they're here. They're here to be impacted by the love of Jesus. Your word says it never fails. It never fails. Your word never returns to you void that it goes in the earth and it accomplishes that which it was meant to accomplish. So as you speak through your servants, the body of Christ, Lord God, here in Kalamazoo, I thank you, Lord God, that there's an expectation of transformation, Lord God, in the lives of their neighbors. So we celebrate you, Lord God. We celebrate your supernatural love. We allow it to embody us, Lord God, to invade us, the dark places of our lives, Lord God. It covers our sin. It releases us, Lord God, from the penalty of sin, Lord God, so that we may in the freedom of life declare who you are. Oh, let it not be said that they love our Jesus, but not the people of God who represent him. We want to look like him. We want to be like him. Convert our hearts yet again this morning, Lord God. Thank you that your word has come. It has breathed on us, Lord God. It has taught us, Lord God. It has rebuked us, Lord. It has corrected us, Lord God. And as we walk with your Holy Spirit, it will allow us to continue on the path of righteousness. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. 